0: Let's do this. It used to be that Indeed would be the number one way that they looked for jobs. And now it's Instagram. Even though it's not a recruitment platform, they really want a culture that they feel like they fit into.
1: On point. Welcome back to another episode of On Point. I'm your host, Taylor Burke, and today's guest is the director of brand content strategy of Salon Today. She touches on how Salon Today has grown from just a magazine, their data-driven summit, how some salons are now offering employee assistance programs that will cost less than your coffee for the entire year. And we even touch on how salons are expanding their demographics to be more inclusive. Give a warm welcome to Stacey Sobel. Hi, Stacey. Hi, Taylor. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have have you. So Stacy, I know you've been involved in the conversation of salon businesses for more than 25 years as a reporter, as a consultant, and the editor-in-chief of Salon Today.
0: Yes, I started as a freelancer 25 years ago when, when my first child was a baby, and then I just kind of grew into that position and became editor many years ago, and I'm still here. That's amazing.
1: So for those that are listening that don't know what Salon Today is, could you dive into that? Yeah,
0: so Salon Today started out as a magazine and it is the sister publication to Modern Salon. So whereas Modern Salon is more for stylists and teaches them how to do hairstyling techniques and coloring techniques, Salon Today is for the owner and manager and is really a business management magazine that helps them run their businesses better. But now we're much more than a magazine. We do video interviews, we have social, we have a website, we have email newsletters, we do webinars, and we have live events. So it's grown into many more responsibilities.
1: And you've been with Salon Today for 25 years. Yes. How has Salon Today evolved?
0: Well, really, it's evolved mostly by going into the digital space. We spend much more of our time curating content for the website and email newsletters and the webinars. And then we brought live events in about five years ago, of course, had to learn how to do one virtually for 2020. So we're learning all kinds of different capabilities. And right now we're looking at possibly having a cocktail party in the metaverse with Fashion Week. So that could be fun.
1: That sounds really cool. So we're
0: always exploring new ways to connect with our audience, which are owners and managers of
1: top salons in North America. That has to keep things exciting. It does. It does. But
0: after 25 years, we've gotten to know a lot of our readers too, or our audience. So that makes it even better because you have personal connections and friendships with people.
1: Oh, totally. And then Stacey, recently your title evolved to the Director of Brand Content Strategy and Events Programming. So what exactly does that entail? My
0: title before was Editor-in-Chief of Salon Today, which really an editor-in-chief kind of correlates with a print magazine. So the title kind of evolved after the job had already evolved to do all these digital things. So, we're managing the content for our readers, what they read, what they consume, what they view or what they listen to about salon business
1: under your reign, Salon Today has expanded its Salon Today 200 program, grown the Salons of Year Decor competition, launched Stamp, a salon marketing program, and a data-driven salon summit, which is a business event that focuses on the metrics that drive salon success. So a lot to unpack there. And I know I just named everything that you're doing, but let's start with the Salon Today 200 business management competition.
0: Yeah. So that was actually launched 25 years ago. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary through this year. The reasons we launched it was at the time there were things like Naha that celebrated the artistry in the industry, but there was nothing that really recognized and celebrated business leaders in the industry. So we wanted to create a competition that did that. It was the time of fast company and mergers and acquisitions and growth. It's always been a combination of data that they enter and essays that they write. And then when the 200 started, we were really looking at business growth. So we were looking at the percentage of growth that they achieved from one year to the next with their total sales. So that's service and retail sales. And then the essays were talking about what kind of best practices they were implementing to help drive that growth. During the recession, we had to kind of change the competition a bit because people weren't growing at the scale that they were before. So we started adding best practice categories mm-hmm. and owners could choose which ones they wanted to compete in. And there were things like customer service and marketing and environmental sustainability and technology and how they were using that in the salon. So they would write their essays about those best practices and still share the data with us and then in the last two years, we, we had to make it a little easier. We didn't want people to have to write 10 different essays. So the essay, it was really just one essay. And it was about what are you doing to survive your business, survived the pandemic? And what are you, how are you recovering? And how did you meet the needs of your staff and your customers with safety? And then
1: what are you doing to rebuild the business? What are some of the challenges that they faced? And then how did they implement that to come out on the other side? there were
0: there's so many things and it's a big benefit to us because it gives us a window into the world of our audience. And we get to really see what their pain points are, what their challenges are, what opportunities they're seizing. And that drives not only our content or all our media throughout the year, we've been doing multiple stories off of some of those essays, but we're also using it to design the content for this data-driven event that we have in May, because I know exactly what their pain points are right now because they've written about them. So the big ones for this year have been coming back from the pandemic a lot of people, you know, at first struggled to get their clients back in the door, but then, then that became a, a rush and they were having to deal with that with social distancing protocol and trying to get every people in as much as they could. And then now, it's really about recruiting and retaining staff. So, recruiting staff to replace physicians who maybe didn't come back after the pandemic and slums were closed down, and then keep those people. I mean, we're all suffering and people are looking at their lives and making different in choices and not as committed to their careers as they used to be. So salons are struggling to keep their team on. And also the, the, big, the other big thing right now is burnout because people did come back. They're taking on more clients for maybe their colleagues didn't return. They're working under these conditions with the masks and trying to navigate that on a daily basis and maybe dealing with some fear from the pandemic. And then they're burning out. So Right now, a lot of salons wrote about mental health salon and what they're doing to try to dress that.
1: These people wrote about that. And then what are some of the benefits of these salon owners or business owners that come and write in?
0: There's several benefits from entering the competition. So number one, a lot of owners, I never even thought about this when we designed it, but a lot of owners tell us the process of looking at their technology and reviewing their data and their stats, and then reflecting on the year before and writing those essays really helps them focus on their businesses and design strategic plans for the coming year. So that was not something we designed to be a part of the, the 200, but a lot of people have told me that that's been very beneficial. But when they entered that data, that helps us form benchmarks. Because you can look at your technology and see how you're doing on certain KPIs, but unless you know what other owners are doing across the country, it's hard to tell how you're doing in comparison to everybody else. So developing those benchmarks really helps our audience kind of know where they are. And then the essays also help us harvest some great best practices and ideas, and we share that through the magazine, subsequent stories. So it's kind of a forum for owners to share their best ideas.
1: And so, Stacey, this is yearly. Yeah, once a year. Someone
0: just asked me why we didn't do it more often, and I said because... Uh, I don't think it, it takes so much time to judge and do all that. There's no way we can do it more
1: than once. Oh, I'm sure. but And you also get so many applicants, I'm sure. Yeah, we do. Okay. And then how do these salons and businesses apply? And what time of year can they look to apply?
0: It shifted a little bit with the pandemic because we used to announce in January and now we we just announced at the end of February. So now the application comes out late summer and they have till the end of October to fill it out. It's a digital application. So it's on salon today. So it's
1: a digital app. Okay. You said it kind of focuses on the data, but do any of the other topics change yearly or is it pretty similar every year?
0: The data is pretty similar every year. I mean, sometimes we'll add things. A couple of years ago we added if they had covenancy agreements with their employees. So that was one of the questions that we asked. We kind of asked some other ones that talked about like what keeps them up at night? What are their management concerns Mm -hmm. that keep them up at night? So we've changed a little bit over the years, but the basic data part of it is usually the same. It's the essay that changes every year, and that really reflects what's going on in the industry and in the world and in business.
1: What are some of the practices that you see that they're implementing? We said that they write in their essays about things that they're facing and their challenges, but how are they practicing it to come out and do better?
0: There are all kinds of things that we saw this year that people are doing. They're adding new services like hydrofacials. A lot of people are adding like hair loss to address and the pandemic actually people who've had COVID have had a problem with losing their hair. Mm -hmm. So that's a service that a lot of people have brought on. But then it's a lot of things like creating more flexibility for their team. They had to learn how to navigate that social distancing. So they expanded their hours. They maybe opened on a Sunday if they weren't open before, which created more opportunities to have more appointments for more guests. And that in turn created some of that flexibility that their team was looking for. They had a little bit more input on what days they wanted to work and what they didn't. And it's been kind of interesting because as the workforce has moved to doing more of their work at home mm-hmm. virtually they can do salon appointments during the week when maybe they couldn't when they had a nine-to-five office job so the drive for that saturday appointment used to be historically forever owners didn't want to give their team members saturdays off because that was the busiest day in the salon but that's even changing so that's kind of good for everyone people tell us it's their favorite issue of the year and they keep them they don't get rid of them they keep them year after year and then they'll go through and flag ideas and sometimes they'll call that owner and you know ask their own questions a lot of friendships have heard through the 200 because it's given them a way to connect with one another so a
1: lot of benefits
0: came out of it that we didn't even dream of when we designed the
1: competition and how is this competition helping others in the industry
0: well i think that whole generation of ideas really helps everyone even if you didn't enter the 200 just reading them you can get ideas stories help give you ideas a lot of times they share sources and contacts we just did one about an owner that brought in employee assistance programs Program because as I said before some people were struggling with mental health and they had a stylist who was she couldn't get an appointment with a therapist so they explored this employee assistance program so that it actually offered like some virtual counseling and like four appointments a year and it was a minimal cost he said it's less than what they pay for coffee for the year but to be able to offer their team that kind of service to help them through this time was really amazing so You know, he shared how much that program cost and where they bought it and how he researched it. So just those kinds of things and that kind of sharing really helps owners because they're kind of isolated. The day-to-day you're in your business running it by yourself. So it's nice to be able to see what other people are doing, learn from them and be able to harvest ideas.
1: And relate to other people and know that other people are going through it too. They're not alone. Yeah. And that's
0: another very good point. I mean, I think it really helps people to know. And sometimes you read them and you're like, oh. Some people had it harder than we did. Some salons were closed for six weeks and salons in California closed for nine months. Kind of looking at how they navigated that, it can make you feel appreciative of what your experience was.
1: On Point is brought to you by Vegaro, an all-in-one management software for businesses specializing in beauty, fitness and wellness. Vegaro also helps people find those amazing service providers near them. If your business would benefit from Vigaro's booking, payments, payroll, reporting and marketing features, visit sales.vergaro.com for more information. And if you're looking to book some you time, visit Vigaro.com. I love hearing about that. But I know you also do another competition, Stacey. You guys do. It's called the Decor Competition. So Salon of the Year Decor. It's called Salons of the Year. And it is really a
0: photo-based competition. So they send in interior shots. And you're eligible if your salon, spa, or barbershop was either recently renovated in the last two years or a new space was opened, a new salon or barbershop was open. So they send in professionally shot images of their decor. And we look at all those and look at their stories. There are essays with that too, but they're a little easier. They're more about what what was your design concept and what were your favorite elements of the design and how does it help productivity in the salon? You know, things like that. So they write in about that and then we judge those and we name 20, 20 salons of the year, but then there's one grand prize winner who gets the cover of that issue. We used to sit in a dark room and look at slides. Now we do it online. It's still like we talk about the designs and we read their stories and we we all individually score.
1: I know you probably didn't do it last year, but were you ever able to go visit These new, cool, renovated salons in person? Sometimes we have, and sometimes
0: we've actually gone and revealed that they won, which was really fun. We've done that a few times. And that's just, do we have a team member that's close enough to that salon to get there? And then I will, as I travel, I will drop in on these salons and also Salon Day 200 salons. Once you get to know these people, you want to see them in person, but you also want to see the spaces that you've been writing about. And then last year we did, we announced the person virtually, and I think he didn't actually understand understand that we were telling him that he won because he was not as excited as I thought. And then he called me about an hour later and he's like, oh my God, it just sunk
1: in. I know sometimes it's hard for people to process. Like it's a lot, but that's good that he called you back. <laughs>
0: sometimes the reveal doesn't work out the way you think
1: it's going to work out. I know. I know. On the top of your head, can you tell us the salon that is really cool or has won um, a really cool space or has won the competition that makes them unique?
0: I really love the designs that have a great history and story behind them. This was, I think, our first runner up last year, but it was a salon that was in a historic building that was around in the Civil War. It was, I think, a church. I think it was some kind of a business for lighting or something. And then they converted it into a salon. But they had these gorgeous, arching, huge windows and they took it down to the studs. They even replaced the floor. So it, I don't think it had electricity when he bought the building. So, I mean, he really had to do everything. So it was just a really wonderful story. And the result. Is just gorgeous. People have taken some interesting spaces and created salons from them. Those are kind of always my personal favorites, but some of them are just simply stunning. And I know Penzones in Columbus a few years ago won, and it was kind of a futuristic look into what a salon should be like. They had a cafe and an area for people to socialize. They had an outdoor space to do things and events. And you know, the styling floor was set up on one wing and the coloring in another, and, and the retail. It was fabulous.
1: You also launched Stamp, which is a salon marketing program.
0: So Stamp was really, we kind of took from this long today, 200 competition would get a lot of applications in marketing. And they always wanted to send us things to show us their marketing pieces. So I was like, well, maybe this is more of an opportunity to create something else. So we created Stamp, which looks at marketing in all aspects. We look at digital marketing. We look at campaigns that they do, look at websites and social media and old fashioned printed menus and ad they put together and videos that they're doing to market themselves. So there's kind of a category for everything and there's actually an optional category because every year somebody sends something in that we don't have a category for so we create a category for it but it's all kinds of marketing and they really have to tell the story of what they did you know who did they Did they use an agency to create it or do people on the team work on it together? And then when they implement it, what was the return on investment? We have a contest tab on our website and those applications are always up there. So only the one that's live is up. When we open stamp, that will be up.
1: Okay. swear this is my last event question, but I know you have something really exciting happening in May. It is your annual data-driven salon summit.
0: Yes. So data-driven is a concept for an event that we came up with. I think this is the fifth year and it was really it's a hands-on peer-led conference and it revolves around KPIs so we look at a retail KPI customer count customer retention productivity and oh average ticket that's the other what are they doing to drive those different metrics and then owners you know share their own Performance on that metric, best practices to drive that, and then this year we're calling it the year of the team. We're really looking at those things we're addressing that we saw through 200 applications. So we have a human behavior expert that's going to talk about burnout and how people can help themselves emotionally and mentally to prepare every day. We have someone he's sharing five different management aspects that he's changed coming out of the pandemic and how he leads his team differently. We have one. on salon culture. So what this owner is doing to drive the culture and keep the team. And from Vegaro, Fred Hulu is going to come and talk about
1: client retention. Amazing. And I want to reiterate what you said in the beginning that this year for your summit is the year of the team. So I have here from your website, it's called the year of the team focusing on your team so they deliver their best to your clients. I know you mentioned some of the Q&As, but how else are you really focusing on the team? There's that speak that talks about culture. There's one on burnout. We have people that are going to be talking about recruitment and
0: retention. There's another owner talking about how she designed flexibility in her schedule. So a lot of those topics are resurfacing here.
1: And is this event happening in person? It is happening in person.
0: Also, we moved the Salon Today 200 celebration as an evening event tied to this event. So on Sunday night, we're going to have an awards ceremony and I sit down dinner for the 200 and then the two days are not about the 200 they're about the data driven and this conference and so there's a combination of main stage things and then there are a lot of breakout sessions so you can kind of design your own experience by tapping into the breakout session that most applies to what you feel you need to learn more about
1: so fun and where is this taking place?
0: Nashville <gasps> ooh yeah we chose Nashville and everyone has really responded really well to it I think Nashville's really hot right now there are not a lot of beauty events there
1: we wanted to pick a fun city that people would also want to come to nashville gets really hot and i feel like may is right before the peak and it starts to get hot so i mean you guys made it like perfect timing
0: I, I agree with you
1: awesome yay i'm so excited i can't wait to hear about it i know fred is really excited to go i've just heard that it's coming together so nicely oh
0: good i'm really excited we're very fascinated to hear his on client retention what people are doing
1: let's switch gears so stacy you kind of touched on it in the beginning of this podcast about the less of a demand for Saturday appointments in the salon industry. So what does that mean for the industry?
0: When you look at what people want in a job, the flexibility comes in first for compensation. They want that flexibility to design their own. There still will be, you know, the youngest people on the totem pole will still be tapped to work more Saturdays. It's still, you know, it's a wedding day. It's still a big day in the salon for events and things like that.
1: That kind of leads to my next question with staff recruitment and retention why do we believe it's been so hard?
0: We had a speaker on this the last couple years. Her name's Stephanie Fox, and she does this really big industry study. This is her third year that she's done it. And it really looks at both working stylists and students in the school. And it looks at how they look for jobs and what they're looking for in a job and why they leave jobs. It used to be that Indeed would be the number one way that they look for jobs. And now it's Instagram. Even though it's not a recruitment platform, they really want, like, one of their number one things that they want is a culture that they feel like they fit into. So they're, you know, looking at the salon's Instagram pages to kind of see what that culture is and do I feel like I fit in? And so it's changing the way that salons recruit. They're starting to use Instagram. more. They're starting to not just post beautiful hairstyles, but post like team activities and things they're doing in the salons and reels and things that just talk about the benefit of working in that salon.
1: That is so interesting. And I feel like even another point to that, I would say even customers, whenever I go to a new salon where I want to check out a girl that does, you know, a blowout, I look them up on Instagram. I look up the salon and I look up the girl doing it. Consumers are just more savvy now and they're using
0: the internet and computers and and there's another person who's usually a vendor data driven it's called Beecher Stylist and she has like a it's a matching quiz so you go on and you talk about what your needs are as a client and it matches
1: you That is so tech savvy Yeah it's very cool Oh my gosh okay so Stacy just to reiterate so what you're saying is to have a better Instagram
0: Yeah and not just do before and afters to give more flavor of the culture of the salon and what it's like to be a client there what it's like to work there maybe things that you're doing with your philanthropic event. Who are you? They want to know what your business's personality is online, and that's what they're looking for before they choose a oh. law.
1: So a little fun fact about job recruitment on Instagram by flexjobs.com. If you haven't considered using Instagram to find job seekers, you may be missing out. Instagram provides a great way to create a more personal connection with potential job candidates. And as the numbers show, one billion people use Instagram each month. 500 million use Instagram stories each day. 200 million users visit at least one business account each day and Instagram is the second most down Downloaded free app in the apple app store job candidates are on instagram and they're likely looking for your company there too this fun fact segment was brought to you by bagaro then salons are interested in tapping into other demographic areas in their markets but struggling to figure out how to bring in the team members services and products to serve these markets
0: this is really talking about the fact that for a long time there were kind of salons that addressed certain hair types. There were salons that addressed Caucasian hair types, there were salons that addressed African American hair types or Asian hair types. And now owners are really looking to make sure that their team members can address all texture types. Kind of going beyond that, even we've got salons that are taking the gender out of their pricing. It's like you're a short haircut or a long haircut, it's not a men's and a women's. And so it's kind of changed changing the way they offer their services, the way they write about them, the product lines that they're bringing in. And then we're also seeing salons that are tapping into that organic, healthy, that client that is worried about a very natural organic line to kind of draw that consumer in. I think it's a process and it's a evolution and there are people that are doing it now, but it obviously requires a lot more education because you've got to have a lot more education on the different hair types to address, you've got to educate yourself as an owner about kind of things could be offensive on a menu to someone who's from the LGBTQ community. So you're like doing a lot of self educating, also educating your team and talking about what's important and how do you talk to different clients and what words can be construed as offensive. I did a story with a salon group in Seattle called Jean Juarez and they came out with a different menu that talks about, well, what is your hair type? And then the price of the service. And then when you go on and you book online the time of the service is all tied to that hair texture so if their pricing is changing and then we're also seeing a lot of evolution in pricing it used to be kind of a across the board you'd have a single process color with a certain price or a range depending on how qualified it takes to do their hair and the products needed to do that hair type so every client is kind of coming out with a different price.
1: And I think that kind of even goes back to our topic before retention. That will make the clients keep coming back if they know that their their prices are fair.
0: And kind of customized. They know if this time we're gonna add some low lights and that price is gonna go up, we've changed the service. And they can really kind of track why. And a lot of salons now have color management software and that's connected to a scale. So you you design the client's formula and then you sometimes reweigh the color and then you can make less formula next time because you know exactly how much that client needs so that's helping with salon costs but it's also delivering a better service because that formula is in the system forever and any stylist can pull it up and say this is that stylist hair color formula or if that client like went red she wants to get that color again and you don't remember what it was it's in the system now you can go back and and see what did we do that time that she talked about that she loved her hair so much and we can recreate that
1: that is so smart and beneficial wow and beneficial so it's
0: good it's good for salons balance sheet it's good for the environment because we're wasting less color and it's good for the client
1: Mm -hmm. anything that we have to look forward in the salon industry for 2022 and going into 2023?
0: I think this year it's all about rebuilding and getting back to the sales volumes that they had prior to the pandemic and kind of some creative ways that people are doing that with new services, some of the things we've talked about today. But I think the future's bright. I mean, I think clients are realizing I think they really understood the value of their stylist. They couldn't go to the salon for all those weeks. And now that they understand the connection of that, to their own self-esteem and their own mental well-being, and they cherish that time that they have the salon more. And I think that that's only going to grow.
1: I completely agree. And then, Stacy, what are your goals for 2022? Oh, my goals for 2022. I
0: think really just to reach more people with innovative business concepts and help them in this really challenging time and find. Finding new communication outlets to get to more people to share more with more people to let the these owners speak their truths and their wisdoms and share with each other. I mean, that's that's really our overall goal.
1: Oh, well, I love that. That's a really good way to end the podcast. But Stacey, before you go, at the end of each podcast, I play a little game. Okay, it's called Would You Rather? So I made up eight would you rather questions for you and you have three seconds to choose one or the other. Okay. so I I,
0: before we start, I just want to share that I designed a would you rather quiz for owners and I had a lot of owners in the 200 network like weigh in on this. So. We haven't launched it yet, but it's things like, would you rather deal with a tardy employer or a drunk client?
1: Things oh my like that. God, that's hilarious. That is so funny. Yeah. I was about to say, I was like kind of searching Would You Rather's online to find something like salon and I was having a tough time, but I can't wait for that article to come out because I'll have to take some for future podcasts. For future
0: podcasts, yeah, you could play that with uh, anybody you interview would be fun.
1: Yes, yes. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Would you rather only shop at Ulta Or only shop at Sephora? Ulta. Would you rather wear winter clothes in summer or summer clothes in winter?
0: I... Winter clothes and summer.
1: Would you rather live without makeup or live without nail polish?
0: Um, Nail polish.
1: Would you rather shave your eyebrows or have all your eyelashes fall out?
0: Shave my eyebrows because I hardly have any now and I'm already drawing them on, so
1: (laughs) it wouldn't be much of a change. Same, same. Would you rather have a bad haircut or a bad hair color?
0: I think a haircut is easier to fix, so I'd go with haircut.
1: If you had $1,000 to spend, would you spend it on hair products Or makeup products?
0: That's tough. Probably hair products. That's where my lawyer lives. I'd screw you a few dollars over for some makeup.
1: (laughs) Would you rather speak in public and forget what you're going to say or be in a 10 hour long meeting? Speak in public
0: and forget what I'm going to say because it happens all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're used to it. Okay. All right, Stacey. Last one. If your life was made into a movie, who would you rather play you? Meryl Streep or Julia Roberts?
0: tough. Meryl Streep,
1: I just think she's incredible. She
0: is, but I love playing Would You Rather, and that just is incentivizing me to get that survey out there, Um, because I'd like to share that data, data
1: data-driven, because it's just a fun... A fun way to share data right it's so fun well thank you stacy so much for taking time i know you've been so busy but i appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving all your insight well thank you taylor for having me it's been great i usually play the other role so it's nice to be um not the interviewer for a change yeah you did amazing our goal is to always give you the content you didn't know you needed to know and to make sure you're always on point i'm taylor burke thank you for listening